Baptist, I'm so sorry. You've never, ever seen that in church. That was a dance that called the wobble. Now, true story, true story. The beginning of the week, I did not know how to do the wobble. I didn't. I, like, I would be at places that did the wobble, and people would wobble and I would stand against the wall because I didn't know how to do it. But I went to YouTube. I'm not making this up. I really did. I went to YouTube this week and found instructional videos on how to do the wobble. And my, my, <laughs> my dog, Chance, has been confused all week long because I like jump and he'll like jump. And I mean, he's close. He can, he can almost do it. But I, I, I realized that the wobble is just kind of like any dance. All you got to do is really learn the steps. And, you know, it's, it's like that first step when you jump forward. You got you to jump, and then you got to kind of move with the whatever, and then you got to jump. But, but those, like those, and I worked on that for a little while. Then I worked on this for a little while. And I worked on this for a little while. Some of you are like, you need to quit working. <laughs> Have you seen you dance? Anyway. Eventually, I got it, and, and I realized the wobble had something in common with, like, the electric slide. Anybody can do the electric slide? Anybody do the electric slide? Yeah, yeah. And how about the boot scoop boogie? Anybody? Okay, yeah, hitting a different demographic there. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. All of it has to do with learning the steps. Once you learn the steps, you can do any dance. You can do the salsa. You can do the waltz. You can you can dance. And, and, and what's really awesome is if you go to a a club or a bar or a wedding or whatever, and people are out there kind of doing their own thing, and it looks all weird. You know, because nobody really is, I mean, they look hurt, and, you know, and then, but then, <laughs> then you put on a song like The Wobble or The Electric Slide, and everybody starts doing the same thing at the same time, and it looks really awesome when everybody's doing the same thing. Now, I was thinking about that when I, and thinking back all the way back to when I was in junior high, middle school, whatever you call it, I went to every dance, went to every dance. In high school, I went to the prom, college, I went to all the dances, but I never danced. And the reason I didn't dance is because I, I didn't know how. I didn't, I didn't know the steps. But then I had a friend teach me the electric slide, and he told me, Perry, dancing is e as easy as just learning the steps and staying in rhythm. And I started thinking about, how that ties into our walk with Jesus, which I know some of you are thinking like, how does this tie into our walk with Jesus? Well, it's really, it's really simple. For years and years and years, Christianity, especially in America, has been about climbing a ladder. And, and you climb this moral ladder, and eventually you feel moral superiority over other people. You can kind of look, if you're three steps up on the ladder, you can look down at people one step or two steps down, and you can kind of kind of judge them a little bit. But when we read the Gospels, especially the story of Jesus, Jesus wasn't about, listen, if anybody on the planet had the right to look down on anyone, 
Jesus had that right, but he didn't. So Christianity must be about more than climbing a ladder, and it is. Christianity is actually not about climbing ladders, but, but about taking steps. Just like dancing. All we got to do in our walk with Christ is take our next step. And then we take our next step. Now, here's what's awesome. If I take my next step, and you take your next step, and you take your next step, and you take your next step, and we're all taking next steps together, that's called a movement. And a movement changes the world. Not through a protest or a boycott, but by simply, and we'll get, we'll get to that later, but simply by people being willing to take their next steps. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And in order to set it up, I need to read a passage of scripture that's going to make everybody in the room feel highly uncomfortable. I want to go ahead and acknowledge that. In fact, the more of a church background you have, the more uncomfortable you're going to be because you've been in church for all your life and you've never heard this passage of scripture taught in church. And I don't, I'm not, I don't blame your former pastors or whatever. This is, I'm, it's uncomfortable. You're not going to find it on a t-shirt. But it's in the Bible. Now, some of you are going to fact check me. You're going to leave going, Harold, I don't think that's in the Bible. Look it up. One of those app things on your phone. I promise you, I saw a Leviticus. In Leviticus, they're talking about people that are kind of qualified to come into the presence of God. This is what, what they said in the Bible. No one who has a defect qualifies. <laughs> That's pretty much all of us. Whether he is blind, lame, which, by the way, Jesus hung out with blind, lame people all the time. But then after they hung out with him, they weren't blind or lame anymore. It's really cool. Disfigured, deformed, or has a broken foot or arm, or is hunchbacked or dwarfed, or has a defective eye or skin sores or scabs or damaged testicles. Some of you are thinking, do you sit around and find awkward Bible? No, no. I, they're just, it's, it's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. In fact, they, they had a word for people like this. They would call them, many, many times they would call them eunuchs. Keep that in mind as we, as we dive into this story about people taking their next steps. Because some of y'all are like, okay, you've done the wobble, you read the non-t-shirt verse because that's not a verse you put on a t-shirt or a coffee mug, right? So let's pick up this story. There's a guy named Philip. We meet him first in Acts chapter 6. He was one of the very first deacons in the church. He's doing an incredible job um, following Jesus. He goes to Samaria in Acts chapter 8, preaches, and a revival breaks out. And so Philip is kind of the front and center um, spokesperson for this thing. And then God shows up and he does something in Philip's life that's really, um, on the surface, unusual. Check this out. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Notice there's a period. That's it. God, what do you want from my life? Go south. Where? To the road. Now, when I read go south, I started thinking about the differences between southern and nor northern culture. If you're from the north, 
you were amazed at how we reacted to the snowstorm that happened this week. They closed school. Like, they closed. Anyway, I still can't get over that. But in the south and the north, there's, there's a language barrier. There's a breakdown. We can't really understand each other. It's super, compli- super complicated on the surface, but it's not super complicated. I'll explain a few things to you. Like, for example, this right here is not a shopping cart. People, what is this? This is a thank you. It's a buggy. It is a buggy. I went shopping with a buddy of mine, and I was literally, I was like, hey, man, will you grab, will you grab, he's from up north. I was like, hey, man, you grab a buggy for me? He's like, what? You grab a buggy for me. He's like, a cart? I was like, no, a, a buggy. He said, well, you want me to get a horse for that? <laughs> so I punched him. This is something we say in the South. We don't actually mean it, but it's just a phrase that we say. Hey, man, I'll see you later. And we go, yeah, 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 just, just give me a holler. I had a friend from up north. I was like, give me a holler. He's like, do what? <laughs> give me a holler. You, you, want, you want me to holler at you? Yeah, yeah. On the phone. You want me to holler at you on the phone? Well, not literally. The, the just get, give me a holler means give me a call, Right? This is my favorite one. Two guys can walk outside. It's usually two men. My age or older, I'm 48. We can be standing in the parking lot. One can look at a truck and say, man, that is a nice truck. And the other one goes, I tell you what. (laughs) Now, if you're expecting him to say something after that, he's not. I'll tell you what is, is our way of saying, oh, wow, golly gee. Man, that boy can run fast. I'll tell you what. <laughs> what? No, I so so there's, a, there's a language breakdown, and sometimes we make things way more complicated than they need to be, which is why we're going to go back to this passage. Philip knows the Lord. He walks with Jesus, and, and, and Jesus says, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, if I'm Philip, I've got a couple questions. Okay, Mr. Lord God, creator of the universe, sir. Um, first of all, that's a long trip, and it was geographically. It was a long trip. Um, why do you want me to go, and what do I do when I get there? And sometimes, sometimes we can miss out on God's steps because we want an explanation. Okay, God, you want me to do that. Why do I need to do that? Where do I need to go? How many people are going to be involved? And, and, and the detail people. And I know there's detail people in here, and I love detail people because they keep people like me organized. But at the end of the day, many times God, God will tell us our next step. And why in the world? I mean, why in the world? Why in the world are we scared to take it? It's very simple because we want to know the entire plan. But Isaiah 55 says his plans are higher than our plans and his ways are higher than our ways. And if he had told Philip why he actually wanted him to go, Philip might not have gone. So at the end of the day, when God tells us to take a next step, sometimes we miss it, not because God is complicated, but because we complicate matters by asking for too much information. Rather than God God says, I want you to take your next step, and we go, okay. Taking a next step can be asking for help, confessing a sin, admitting you got a problem. Something, something, sometimes we make it way too complicated. And he told Philip, yeah, just, just go down to the road. Now, here's what's crazy. Watch this. So he started out, which is the toughest part sometimes of doing anything is starting out, whether you're going on a run or you're lifting weights or you're getting out of bed. Isn't it 
once you get out of bed, you're okay. But it's like getting out of bed is the difficult thing. Sometimes starting out, taking that step is, is really tough. So the Bible says that Philip started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. Now, pause. That's a problem. Because the treasurer of Ethiopia was a Gentile. And Jews looked down on Gentiles. And because Gentiles were, were, they were those people. Those people. They couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't have their sins prayed for. They couldn't be forgiven. They couldn't be made right with God. They were Gentiles. And so if, if God had told Philip, I want you to go talk to a Gentile, Philip might have talked his, tried to talk his way out of it. But he gets there. And there's a Gentile, but that's not the only issue. Let's keep reading. So he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch. Y'all remember the Leviticus? Y'all need me to go back to the Leviticus verse? Yes. No? Okay. This guy wasn't, first of all, he's a Gentile. Now he's a, a Gentile that's a eunuch. Talk about somebody that's as far away from God as you could imagine, it was this dude. And you got Philip the deacon. We got, and then we got the, we don't know his name. We'll call him Eugene. We got Eugene the eunuch and Philip the deacon. They're as far from each other on the surface as possible. But here's what's fascinating. This dude that's as far away from God as humanly possible on the surface Watch what happens. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. What? And he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He was taking his next step. Isn't it crazy how God can reach people that seem to be so far away? Because Ethiopia was a far, I mean, it was a long way from Jerusalem. And it doesn't matter how far you feel from God today, God can reach you exactly where you are. Here's an Ethiopian eunuch as far away from God as possible. Here you got Philip the deacon as close to Jesus as possible, and they come together at the same place. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's what the church should be. I think the church should be a place where people that are incredibly spiritually mature and people who are not quite sure about this whole Jesus thing can come together and we all take our next step. In fact, the one thing I want to hammer home today is this. Everyone has the next step. What's your next step? Everybody in this room, everybody watching online today, all of us have a next step. What's your next step? Like if you leave today and you turn to somebody and go, I sure do wish Linda would have been here to hear that message. You, you missed it. Message wasn't for Linda. Message for you. Your next step. Maybe my next step is to get Linda to watch online. Well, leave Linda alone, all right? Just, just focus. <laughs> What's your next step? See, we know our church's next step. We talked about it in week one. We talked a little bit about it last week. This is our church's next step. We want to get to this place, a place that allow us to double in size, double in capacity, and reach more people. And, and we're in this series to talk about this, but isn't it funny that though we're in the series and this is the place we're going to move, have you noticed we haven't talked about it very much? You know why? Because it would be a tragedy for the church to take that step and us as individuals not take our step. This is what I believe. 
if all of us as individuals take our next step, we will wind up there. Piece of cake. Not a problem. I don't want just the building to get bigger. I want for us to grow closer in our relationship with Jesus. And I don't think you have to sacrifice one for the other. Now, the story gets more awkward. The story gets more awkward. Because Philip is there. Here's the Ethiopian eunuch reading the Bible. And then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Excuse me? Yeah, just go walk beside the carriage. How weird would that be? If you were just walking along in Publix today or Target or wherever you happen to be doing your grocery shopping and somebody just came up and started walking beside you. Didn't say a word, just started walking beside you. <laughs> Don't do this to anybody. If you do, video it and tag me in it. I want to watch. But, but would that not be weird? Because if I'm God, I'm like, okay, okay, God, first of all, you got me on the road, and this is a little weird because I'm just standing here, and I don't know what to do, but I'm following you because I surrender all, but like I surrender some because that is weird. You just want me to go and walk along beside the carriage? Yes. Yeah, see, so once again, that next step, sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't understand why God wants us to take that next step, but at the end of the day, I've heard the phrase so many times, and it's so true, when we can't see his hands, we got to trust his heart. we got to know his plans for us are greater than our plans for us. So if he's asked us to take a next step, we just take that next step. Philip, just, just go walking beside the carriage. Okay. But he gets a little excited because Philip got excited. We get excited sometimes on our walk with Jesus. And so Philip ran. God was like, slow down. But Philip ran over and heard the man, the e Eugene the eunuch, right? Reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? Remember, he's a eunuch. <laughs> Got to stay in character. <laughs> Y'all need to have more fun when you read the Bible. The Bible is awesome. And he urged Philip to come up in the carriage and sit with him. Now, this right here is, is fascinating because it brought two people that were nothing alike together. It brought Philip the deacon and the Ethiopian eunuch together. That's what Jesus is all about, bringing people together together. One of the things I love about the people in this room is there are people in this room that are nothing like each other. In fact, outside of this room, you might not like each other. But the thing that brings us together is this man named Jesus. That's why we can sit in the room, Republican and Democrat, black and white. It doesn't matter. Jesus brings us together at the end of the day when we walk in the doors, when we walk in the doors of Second Chance, I want us to know that we might not agree on everything politically, morally, relationally, but the one thing that we can't agree on is there is a man named Jesus. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. That's where we find our identity. 
But when I was reading this, I was like, you know, it's so awesome that Jesus brings two people that are nothing alike together. And then, and then he asked a question. Do you understand what you were reading? This is not really deep. It's not really super spiritual. It's just a question. And I started thinking about, because when I prepare a message, just, just so you know, I write it out in longhand on, on a legal pad, and I write different things in different colors because different colors mean different things, and I have arrows and numbers and circles. I have a whole system. Don't ask to see it because you wouldn't understand it because it's taken me 20 years to come up with it. Um, but when I was doing that and I was writing things down and I focused on this question, I started writing down, you know, if, if I feel like if God were to ask us questions, what kind of questions what kind of questions, in fact, I started thinking more about me sitting across from you having a cup of coffee, and what kind of questions would I as the pastor ask you as someone who attends or even is visiting Second Chance? And I would ask questions like this. Do you know God's grace covers you? You know you're covered? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, you know his, his blood paid for your sin? Do you know that? See, I don't know if you're like me. I don't have a hard time believing God's grace covers you. I have a hard time believing God's grace covers me because I know what I've, I know what I've done. This is, I know what I thought about doing. And that's the reason some of you have a hard time believing that God's grace covers you. But at the end of the day, the blood of Jesus was enough to pay for all our sins. And God's grace covers you. You might not feel it, but sometimes when we can't feel it, we got to know it. It's true. God's grace covers all of us. Here's another one. Did you know that you're not a screw-up? Did you know that God does not see you as a screw-up? Trust me, nobody in the room wrestles with this one as much as I do. Talk, talk, about, talk about feeling like a screw-up. I have felt that more times than not. And I know there are people in this room that you feel like that because maybe a parent told you that. Maybe, maybe somebody that used to be a friend told you that. Maybe you heard that from somewhere, but at the end of the day, God doesn't make mistakes, and God made you. Therefore, you're not a mistake, and you're not a screw-up. He still has a plan for your life. He still has a plan for your life. Last but not least, did you know that God still believes in you? You might not believe in God. You might be wrestling with this whole God thing. I'm not really sure, but you know what? God believes in you. You know how I know God believes in you? You're here today and you're breathing. That means God still has a plan for your life. We say it all the time around here. I'll say it again. I'll say it to my dying day. If you're not dead, God's not done. Those are the questions that I would ask. Those are, those are pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, I wrote those down. They were in green. The passage of scripture he'd been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning... With this same scripture, Philip told the good news about Jesus. So God, in his divine sovereignty, brings a, deacon, a, a Jewish deacon 
and he brings an Ethiopian eunuch together, and the one common thing, as I mentioned earlier, that they had among them was Jesus. That's why I'm going to go ahead and tell you, because every once in a while we'll get somebody asking, and I told you all this last week, you can tell how long somebody's going to last at a church by the questions they ask. And this is the, like, I just want to go ahead and get it out there so you'll never have to ask me so we don't have to have an awkward conversation. This church, this church, I can't speak for all churches. I can just speak for this church. We will never participate in a boycott, and we will never participate in a protest. Never. You know why? Because the people that the Christian community are typically boycotting and protesting are the people I actually want to walk in those doors every single Sunday. Those are the people that Jesus died for. Those are the people that I care about. So while you're out screaming at them, I would prefer that we just grab a serving towel and serve them because I believe that's how you reach people for Christ. And while I'm at it, it's political season. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and nip this in the bud before anybody kind of get like, like, Pastor P, what are we going to do about politics? Let me just ask a couple questions. For those of you that thought Barack Obama was going to be your savior, how'd that go for you? Oh, don't worry, I'm an equal opportunity offender. For those of you that thought Trump was going to be your savior, how's that going for you? How's that working? Really? The Bible tells us that we should pray for our political leaders, like all of them. And the one thing I can say is that the church, I don't, as the church as a whole, we probably hadn't been doing that very much because you can't get any more screwed up than our politics are right now. Do you, are you saying we shouldn't participate? No, we should participate. You should vote. You want me to tell you who I'm going to vote for? I'm going to tell you who I'm going to vote for right now. You can write it down. You ready? Here we go. I'm going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Oh, by the way, unless Jesus Christ is on the ballot, you are going to vote for the lesser of two evils as well. Politics isn't going to save this country. Politics isn't going to save the world. Politics may be important, but Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is greater. My kingdom is higher. And at the end of the day... At the end of the day, I'm going to go to I'm going to go on Super Tuesday and I'm going to vote and whoever wins, I'm going to wake up on Wednesday morning, I'm going to feel I'm going to feel awesome. You know why? I know who has the whole world in his hands. Three-fourths of the people are clapping and one-fourth of the political people are like, "Dang it." <laughs> Y'all be fine. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. At Second Chance, we want people to know what we're for, not what we're against. Too many times we know what Christians are against, but we don't know what people are for. I am for the gospel. I am for seeing people's lives change. I am for people taking their next step in God's time, not mine. And I'm for a world that feels forgotten 
abandoned and alone by the church to know that there is a group of people that love them, care for them, and want to do whatever it takes to reach them. That's why we were called to exist as a church. That's what I want. That's what you want. Now, the story continues. It gets good. I mean, as they rode along, they came to some water, which is awesome. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Evidently, he had accepted Jesus. This is his next step. You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, after you confess Jesus, the next step is baptism. That's your next step. If you've prayed to receive Christ, your next step is, is baptism. And that was his next step. He ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Let me tell you how awesome this was. At the beginning of the story, if God would have said, Philip, I want you to go here because by the end of the story, you're going to baptize a, a Gentile who's a eunuch. Philip would have been like, okay, God, listen. First of all, he's a Gentile. And second of all, I've got, a, I've got some verses that say I shouldn't hang out with him. See, God gets involved. And Philip starts hanging out with people they're nothing alike but the one thing they have in common is Jesus and by the end of the story Philip embraces God's will for his life which is to connect with somebody that he ordinarily wouldn't have connected with in the first place that's how Jesus just continually brings us closer together so just a few moments we're going to see a group of people take their next step in baptism baptism is powerful it's a reminder that Jesus Christ literally, as they're being lowered under the water, that Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried, and as they come out of the water, it's a reminder that he was raised from the dead. It's also uh, symbolic of the fact that this person is saying, I have died to my old life, it's been buried, and I am coming up, I'm coming alive, I'm, I'm brand new. And you're going to see lots of people take their next step. And that's awesome, that's awesome. But as you're watching them take their next step and celebrating, we celebrate here. A second chance. We clap. If you want to yell, whistle, that just what we, we celebrate. If you can celebrate a touchdown, but you can't celebrate a baptism, check your heart. Check your heart. Just yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, everyone has the next step. So what's your next step? As you're seeing them take their next step, yes, celebrate it. But also deal with the question: what's your next step. So let's pray as we prepare for baptism. Jesus, thank you so much that you are allowing us to witness people take their next step. All day long, we've seen people say, Jesus, that you are Lord. And I pray over these next few moments as we hear people confess, as we see people take their next step, Jesus, that we would be encouraged to take our next step. Jesus, that we would know, we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your plans are greater, your ways are higher, and that ultimately, Lord, we can trust you with everything you tell us to do. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name.
Amen.